I'm looking up at the CBS Early Show. Hotel shooting plot. Disgruntled Marriott employee arrested with arsenal of guns. Yeah, I so, just saw the headline. I don't know much about that. I don't one. even think that troubling. I don't even think that made that this list here of 28 people that have been arrested over threats to commit mass attacks since El, pa- El Paso and Dayton. 28 people. It is a contagion. Now, so the question to me obviously is when I hear that headline is is it always been like this more or less? And we just didn't hear about it? Have they changed their standard? Well, I have some answers here from this report. Um, When authorities, this is from CNN, when authorities arrived Friday, this was the most recent, well, there are several since since Friday, including this morning. But when authorities arrived Friday to arrest a 15-year-old in Florida after threats to commit a school shooting showed up on a video game platform, he told the FBI he was joking. He had made this statement on a... um, a video game platform. I, Dalton Barnhart, vow to bring my father's M15 to school and kill seven people at a minimum. That's a pretty uh, declarative statement. He's not good at being a criminal. Well, he was using or a, a joke writer. Well, he was using a fake name. Okay, he's 15 years old using a fake name and and probably <clears throat> not savvy enough to realize that they're going to figure out who he is. 15-year-olds have a very poor filter for what's funny and what isn't. And uh, and Nancy Pelosi wants him to vote in six months when he turns 16. <laughs> by the way. Uh, And this teen is one of more than two dozen people who have been arrested over threats to commit mass shootings since earlier this month when we had three shootings in in a week. The raft of cases follows a directive by the FBI director immediately after the two early August massacres for agency offices nationwide to conduct a new threat assessment in an effort to thwart more mass attacks. Mm. The FBI was concerned that U.S.-based domestic violent extremists could become inspired by the attacks. Uh, which happens. Yes. And it was a tip to the FBI that sent the sheriffs to that Florida Florida teen. Um, but so FBI saying they have a new threat assessment. Does that mean they changed their standards of what they would um, consider an arrestable offense, I wonder? I think so. And or they're just looking in a different neighborhood of human behavior. They're specifically aggressively targeting that sort of message board stuff or or whatever. When before, maybe they were waiting for physical, maybe a purchase of something or some sort of... Or somebody bringing it to their attention. Right. The mom of this particular kid said her son told authorities that kids say things like that all the time and her child should not be treated like a terrorist. Um, well... You know, it reminds me a great deal of the, uh, you know, making some sort of comment about assassinating a president. Secret Service goes... Finds out you're just a mouthy idiot, but you have no intention of hurting anybody. And they and they call that good. And they and they give you a pretty damn stern warning, and they let you go on your way. Yeah, it's a judgment call because I've talked to people who do this. I mean, they they look around your apartment and figure out, you know, you got Nazi flags or anything like that. I mean, and they talk to you, and okay, you just seem like somebody was shooting off your mouth, right? When you said that, and then call it good. But apparently, the FBI is not doing that now. Um, it's a tough one because, I mean, Lord knows there are 15-year-olds who are saying that sort of thing than actually going to school and shooting a bunch of people. Right. But some kid mouthing off on a video game platform, I mean, the idea that he'll be treated like a, a real would-be shooter, we can't do that either. Um, and I, I get the hard-line, hard-ass view of this. Well, that'll stop kids from doing that. Yeah, well, if they get that information and they have a ju- the judgment... Uh, uh, as a child 
to do the right thing. Let me hit you with a couple of these. Well, I, I like it from the aspect of I no longer only hear about the quote-unquote successful ones. Yeah. 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 Um, so August 4th, this is the first one. A man from Tampa area called a Walmart and told an employee he'd shoot up the store. Idiot. That sort of threat gets called into every government building and sports stadium in in America always has. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Do you count that as stopping a mass shooting every time somebody says something like that? It depends, like the president thing. If the guy says, oh, my God, you guys saw that? No, 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 I would not. I would never. And he starts crying. You know, that's a different thing. Then the guy who's got maps of D.C. and guns and ammo and sights and has already rented a hotel on Pennsylvania Avenue. That's a different thing. Police in a small town in Texas arrested a 13-year-old boy who made a terroristic threat on social media, prompting a Walmart to be evacuated. The boy's mother actually brought him to the station. Uh, then, then they got the more uh, mom. You got the more publicized one, the guy that showed up to the Walmart with the body armor and the guns and all that sort of thing. That's a different thing than a guy Heck calling yeah. up anonymously. I'm going to shoot your Walmart and hang it up, and then they trace the call back. Kids are so stupid. A 23 year old Las Vegas man is charged with possessing destructive devices. I was found, stupid found, as a kid, kids. I'm, it's a it's a confession as much as an accusation. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Got a 23-year-old guy in Vegas who uh, was charged with possession of destructive devices after they found bomb-making materials. Okay, that's a different level, mm-hmm. obviously, than just posting something anonymously on social media. Uh, 26-year-old arrested in Florida. He posted a threat on Facebook, Facebook that he was about to have his gun returned and people should stay away from Walmart. I, I don't, it's, I don't it's absolutely a contagion at this point. Sure. You not only have the copycats and, and the people who think, well, I'm angry and lonely and I wanted to do something to illustrate it. I'm going to show everybody how angry and lonely I am. Now you have the, you know, the, the fakes, the I just want to try it on for size types, the. It's a craze and I kind of want to get in on it. Kids. Okay, so most of these of the 28. Are, the, are like the ones I've mentioned. It's a, it's a posting on, on media somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, August 10th, officers responded to a threat. Another one in Texas. Wow. Um, a man arrested in his home on charges of making terroristic threat on social media. August 11th, a, mother, uh, a Mississippi team is accused of making threats in the Lamar County School District on Facebook. Um, a 28-year-old woman sent a written threat to commit bodily injury in uh, Palm Beach, Florida. So I, I, I don't, what's my point here? My point is I'm a little concerned about the media running with the headline of, you know, 28 mass attacks have been stopped in the month since, in the three weeks since El Paso and Dayton. Right. Look how close we are to every single day having one of these massacres. I'm right. not sure you can make that leap in terms of this is why we've got to take away this kind of gun or that kind of gun. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's clearly happening. You haven't prevented one if one was never going to happen. It was just a mouthy 13-year-old. I always said that about the terrorist thing, too, because a lot of the times when they'd arrest a wannabe terrorist, I'd think, hey, was that guy, how far down the road was he of actually being a terrorist? Right. Before you started leading him down the road of being a terrorist. Right. And, uh, and, and it's a tough call, and you, I can understand why law enforcement doesn't wait to see if you're serious or not. 
with the evidence being when you finally blow something up or shoot somebody. Well, they kind of sort of do. You know, if you start taking independent steps and say, yes, I'm going to execute it and give me the bomb and the right. rest of it. But... Right, but they started with an uh, angry post about something, and then you contact them and say, I know where you can get a bomb. And then, right. okay, so what is that exactly? I right. don't know. I agree. Yeah. And then these, these, these high school kids are saying stupid things kids say. I don't know. God, I don't know. Middle schoolers. Is there any akin to this being the new yelling fire in a crowded theater? Where social media, you say something that is, maybe it was intended as, as a joke, but incites panic. Sure. And it, particularly when you mentioned Walmart, when they had the shootings at a Walmart, pre, and you, right, you're, you're oh, yeah. addressing these kind of oh, patterns. I, I that get you that see. 100%. My point is just that if it's children involved, you go to them, you figure out, all right, is this a real uh, idea in the making, or is this just a dumbass? Yeah, I'm still thinking and this those are two head. very different cases. Yeah, so maybe my only thing is, yes, you should, you should obviously go talk to the 15-year-old who posts this, but it shouldn't make the news as stopping a mass shooting. No, no, that's a mischaracterization. I can say I'm going to move to Canada, but Canada shouldn't li- list me as, like, preventing an illegal immigrant. I didn't mean it. I just said it. Um, so, all right, well, that's fine. At and least we know what's going on. And one other thing on this, since we probably won't talk about it again today... For this very reason, Washington Post out with a story. They did a study, and it takes roughly three weeks for America to stop caring. Well, not caring. Well, talking about these mass shootings. Mm -hmm. Three weeks. That's how long it takes. They went back and looked over the data and news stories and that sort of thing. So, Tremendous amount of tension. Gun this. Society that. Media that. Drifts off a little bit, and by three weeks, we're just completely over it. Interesting. Which is probably good for us. What are we going to do? So, uh, among things coming up, great, great quote on the college system these days. Ongoing topic around here. A terrific quote about the the true nature of it. Also, a little reparations talk. White slaves, do they get reparations? And Apple has managed to make the worst credit card ever. Wow. Apparently. It's the weakest credit card ever. Weakest? Yeah. Okay, and I'll when I first heard that, I thought, oh, you mean it's easily hacked? No, no, physically weakest, like it touches anything and it no longer works. What? <laughs> yeah, so that's on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Miss Nevada has lost her crown. Full team coverage on the way. Oh! Miss Nevada has lost her crown over Facebook posts. Speaking of social media posts that get you in trouble. Uh-oh. This is interesting news that's out. Now, 10 Democrats have qualified for the debate. The cutoff is a week from yesterday, Wednesday the 28th. Okay. Today, Thursday, or Wednesday? Today's Thursday. Gotcha. Very yeah. good. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was just thinking, I have a watch on I don't normally wear. I have no idea what today's date is. I, my, my phone tells me the 22nd. I ask my son regularly now, my oldest son, I'm, I'm always asking him what day it is and like what what time did he get up and stuff like that. I'm trying to give him a sense of where he is in the world. Because ah. he's, he's, he's still just floating through the world. No idea what day it is, no what time it is, nothing. Trying and to I just, train him for the rat race, are you? Just a, just a little, like, like context for his life. <laughs> um, oh, there's nothing but context when you grow up. 
<laughs> yeah, no um, kidding. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I didn't know what day it was. Um, what was my point? Oh, yeah. So the Democrats said uh, the cutoff is this coming Wednesday for who qualifies for the debate. But they're now at 10. And if they get one more, they're going to split it into two. Oh, which is, is a terrible idea. You, yeah, it's a dumb idea for them. I mean, do whatever you want, but I don't know why. You got to get all your heavyweights on the same night. You yeah, need to but do it's that. Still early. It's so early. Well, either do it or don't. But if you're gonna do it, why wouldn't you want your heavyweights on the same night? The only way it works is if they, they do it on two nights because there's eleven candidates and ten of the candidates are on one night, and Marianne Williamson gets the stage all to herself yes. on the second night. That's yes. the only way I'll allow it. Just her, just her monologuing yes. for two hours, right? Uh, or guests in a band, whatever she wants to do. <laughs> like, slam it! Slam it! Slam it! Slam it! She would. She would slam it. Slamming. Do some yes. improv, take suggestions from the crowd. Okay, I so need a Mr. place. So, Mr. President, if you're listening. If you're listening. If you're listening. So, so Peter Thiel is a really interesting guy. He's a, a tech guy and a thinker, and he gave a speech at the Pacific Research Institute's annual gala. I do enjoy a gala. An MP, uh, a listener, was there and, and took a note because he knows we're always talking about this. And I meant to work this in during my... Uh, Elizabeth Warren fake Indian professor uh, segment of earlier this morning. Um, but uh, real professor, fake Indian. Right. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely love this because you've probably heard us talking about how the university system is just it's so awful right now. And I don't mean ideologically. Oh, it's ideologically just indefensible. But the financial part of it. You know, it's the Internet age. You can grab knowledge at the tips of your fingers 24-7, practically anywhere on Earth. And yet, you know, your, your poor kids are racking up six figures of debt going to college that's just indoctrinating them into crap. Anyway, um, Peter Thiel said the following. Um, and he's talking, it was the recent 500-year anniversary of Martin Luther King, or Martin Luther, rather, nailing his 95 theses to the, the church door. In uh, Worms? Was that where it was? Beautiful Worms, Germany? It was the what anniversary? Beautiful name, 500th. Gotcha. The university educational complex is like the Catholic Church just prior to the Reformation, Thiel said. University, or professors, university professors are like the clergy, They are the insulated elite that have an unchallenged monopoly on declaring what ideas are considered acceptable. Indulgences are like the high tuitions that just keep growing. A college degree is promoted as a must-have. You need one to be redeemed. Without one, you have limited value, according to the educational complex. But in order to get one, you must pay inordinate sums of money. That kind of salvation can only be bought. Go to Yale or go to jail. That's really good. It is an inherently corrupt system, one that is so corrupt that we cannot rely on it to correct itself. That is so damn good. That is exactly what's happening. We control the power and who gets to succeed and doesn't. And we'll tell you what you're going to think and how you're going to live, and you're going to pay us a lot of money for it. Right. And it's gone from uh, two to one, teachers to administrators, to now it's one to one. 
Um, and and the the schools are just bloated with bureaucracy. And kids play, spend less time in class than they ever have before. And studies show they they don't learn hardly anything. Right between freshman and senior year. Right. And I'm teachers not, teach less than they ever have. My current thoughts are: I'm not participating. I'm not going to participate in this. Now right. things could change in the next eight years, and my attitudes might change as my kids get older. But I'm not participating. I'm not paying for it, and I'm going to really, really discourage my kids from taking on the debt. Right, because I just I don't want to. I I agree with uh, what's his name the 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 podcast guy that everybody likes uh, uh, Ben Shapiro. Uh, yeah, the guy that makes the rounds, the smart guy. The, the what does he talk about? The uh, guy Jordan from Canada, Peterson? Jordan, Jordan Peterson, Peterson, who yeah. said it's a net negative for society now. The university system. I absolutely agree. Yeah, there are other ways to get prepared for a, the adult world. You know, I'm reminded of the fact that you don't have to go to law school to get a law to uh, to pass the bar. Sure. You can train yourself and I we must come up with other ways to uh to to do similar things. I mean, you need not get an accounting degree to be an expert accountant, sure, for instance. Of course. And you know, if you'd like to name a dozen other professions, feel free. I guarantee I've got more knowledge than if I'd have got a bachelor's in history in history and of all the reading that I've done in history since I got out of college. Oh yeah, please. I've read fifty times as much after college as in college. Does the lack of the paper mean anything to me? No, not really. Uh, what's coming up in your news, Marshall? Dire warning about U.S. budget deficits, hard choices facing us, battle over Greenland between U.S. and Denmark not going away, and just announced the moderators for the next Democratic presidential debate. Yes! <laughs> oh, who gives a flying bleep? <laughs> give, give us Don Lemon again. He was just delightful. That's exciting stuff. We got our old friend David Drucker coming up for the Washington Examiner. David Drucker has been bouncing around Iowa watching the candidates, and we'll just get the lay of the landscape for him. Yeah, what's it? What's it like physically? I mean, are they chasing from town to town Iowa? to town to town? And depends where you are. Some places flat, some places hilly. That's not pretty what green. I mean. That's just not lots what of I mean. farms. Um, I always remember running into David Drucker uh, at the inauguration in Washington D.C. The morning of the inauguration, I was headed into the the massive crowd, right? And he was headed away from it, having been reporting. <laughs> and I said, "Where you're going?" He said, "I'm getting out of here. <laughs> I hate inauguration day." He said, "Right." So, uh, that's not a very uh, good American thing to say. <laughs> let's get the news now, with Marsha Phillips. Well, with the federal deficit expected to swell to more than a trillion dollars in the next fiscal year, the nonpartisan Cong- uh, Congressional Budget Office is saying the federal debt is on an unsustainable course. The yeah. CBO well, issuing, has been for quite some time. CBO issuing its latest projection Wednesday, taking into account for the first time the summer's big budget deal reached by President Trump in Congress. The CBO director is now saying lawmakers will have to increase taxes or cut spending both, or both. Both will happen. To get the country on a sustainable footing. There will be drastic cuts and taxes you can't imagine someday because we just can't get our acts together. And I was thinking about that unsustainable course thing and just hum- human nature is a funny thing. A lot of us have things in our lives that are not a sustainable course, mm-hmm. whether it's our spending or our uh, eating and lack of exercise. Drinking, drugging, whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. not a sustainable course. I'll deal with it some other day, right. but not today. Well, I'll tell you and what. And we do it as a nation. It's not a surprise. Republicans, at some point, you got to lean into Trump. 
I mean, because we are using the levers of that are normally only used in times of terrible economic crisis and, and serious downturns and the rest of it with the crazy low interest rates and then right. tax cuts and huge federal spending at a time of pretty good growth and racking up ginormous bills as we do it, partly because, well, almost entirely because, the electorate has gotten used to the idea of government as Santa Claus and can't get an adult talking to, uh, that's nice, but we don't have the money, or we're going to spend the next six months figuring out our budget because we're wasting way too much. There's just no time for adulthood anymore in politics. President Trump, before he uh, took off for an event, held another back and forth with reporters now being called Chopper Talks about a wide range of topics. One of those, his back and forth with the Prime Minister of Denmark for her response to the idea of the U.S. buying Greenland. I look forward to going, but I thought that the Prime Minister's statement that it was absurd, that was a, it was an absurd idea, was nasty. I thought it was an inappropriate statement. All she had to do is say, no, we wouldn't be interested. Trump. You know, Trump is a guy with no filter who says crazy stuff on a regular basis. I think he's right on this one. She didn't have to say, that's absurd. She could have said, that's not something I foresee happening, but our close friends, the Americans, if they'd like to discuss Greenland and and the future and our relationship, we look forward to that. Not, that's idiotic. I mean, which is essentially what she said. Yeah, Trump going on to add, she's not talking to me. She's talking to the United States of America. You don't talk to the United States that way, at least under me. You know what that is? That's laying the groundwork right. for bombing Denmark. This means war! On another matter... Getting America prepared and worked up to go after them. ABC is announcing the moderators for the next Democratic <laughs> yes! presidential debate. Finally! Yes! The four- and it might be two nights if they add one more person. They're breaking it up into two nights. Fantastic! Who's excited about this? Show of hands. Real, really, either hand. Go ahead. Raise them now. Can I show a finger? Mm. <laughs> remember the remember the ratings were fairly low even among Democrats for the last debate. Right. So. Yeah. Fairly low, fairly. All right, what clowns are they trotting out? The four moderators for the September twelfth and thirteenth debates are Chief Anchor George Stephanopoulos. That's okay. a good one. That's a yeah. good one. All right, I can accept that. World News Tonight anchor David Muir, ABC News correspondent Lindsey Davis. And Univision anchor Jorge Ramos. Oh, flame and liberals uh, each, but it is the Democratic uh, con- uh, yeah. uh, debate. On the other hand, the Republicans have the same sort of moderators generally when they do it. For so some reason. So they can be asked, why are you trying to balance the back, uh, balance the budget on the backs of the poor and disabled? Everything c- comes from a wildly progressive point of view, all the questions. But- this is much more a heavy hitter lineup, though, than the, the previous have been. Yeah. No doubt about it. And you got Jorge Ramos in there, so we get to listen to Beto speak Spanish again. Yay! Is Beto still in? Yes. He's yeah. a joke and an embarrassment. The old J&E. But he is in there. <laughs> yes. Hey, one last note. Are you ready for four? You know what? If he just commits suicide on stage yeah. because he's so angry and hurt and disappointed that right. he's white and just commits ritual white man suicide to prove how woke he is, wow. that would impress me. <laughs> That's taking it to the end. All right, we've got another one of Forbes' annual list of the world's highest-paid actors. It has just been released. You know, I'm officially an actor now, Marshall, having acted in what's to be a major motion picture. So I'm hoping I'm on the list. 
Uh, you're not on this list, I'm afraid, my, my friend. Not yet, anyway. Bradley Cooper tied with Adam Sandler at $57 million. Adam, Adam Sandler. Sandler. Wow. Uh, his, his deal with Netflix is ginormous. Yeah. He, he has so much more money than, than people think. Yeah. yeah. Then you've got Jackie Chan coming in with a cool $58 million. Still doing the chop sake at age 80 or whatever he is. Getting back to Adam Sandler, I remember seeing an interview with Chris Rock, and they asked him why he did the kind of movies he did earlier in his career, and he said, well, I I looked at the most successful friend I have, and I looked at what he was doing, and I did that. And then he mentioned Adam Sandler, and I thought, Adam Sandler's the most successful friend you have? Oh, yeah. That was before I knew, I really knew what was going on. He's by far, he'd be the most successful friend anybody has (laughs) if he's your friend. Oh, please. How much has he made on rom-coms alone? It's gazillions. Well, he he mentioned on Saturday Night Live he's worth like four billion dollars to the movie industry in his career. Yeah. Oof, it's yeah, an insane amount yeah. of money. Yeah. All right, your fourth highest paid actor, Bollywood's own Akshay Kumar, sixty five million dollars. Okay, there. not familiar with their work, but Bollywood is huge. Apparently, yeah. yeah. Robert Downey Jr. came in third, sixty five million dollars. Ant Man and Chris... Ant Man, Iron Man, Iron Man. And Chris, who's Ant Man? Uh, huh? Paul Reiser. Paul, Paul Reiser. Reiser. Paul, Paul, Paul Rudd. Judd. Pa- Paul Rudd. That's Paul it. Paul Rudd, yeah. yeah. And uh, second place goes to Chris Hemsworth, $76 million. So three people from the Marvel movies yeah. so far. Oh, interesting. And that's the guy that Miley Cyrus just broke up no, with? No, it's his brother. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. kind of world do we live in where an actor makes $65 million and a teacher makes 65000 Devastating. Devastating mm-hmm. comment. I rest my case. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm hot. Build bridges, not walls. Billy Ray Cyrus's daughter broke up with Liam, or with... Chris Hemsworth's brother. Gotcha. Yes. Right. <laughs> if yes. you're keeping track. Yeah. <sighs> that was a sad day. All right. At the top of the list. Alex the... Baldwin. No, I'm sorry, friend. <laughs> it is The Rock, Hollywood's biggest earner. Dwayne Johnson tops the annual list. And he just got married over the weekend. Yes. To his longtime girlfriend. Yeah. The uh, star of the Fast and Furious franchise made almost $90 million for the year ending June 2019. Still the most surprising name on the list is Adam Sandler to me. Yeah. Just, okay, whatever. (laughs) 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 Is worth that much money. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Opera Man, too. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. So we've been talking to David Drucker for years, and he's been bouncing around Iowa following the candidates, right. and I want to know what it's like. Who's drawn a crowd? Who have you gone to see, and there were two people there? <laughs> Oof. That sort of thing. That's next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So here's a dream of mine. My dream, my dream is different than uh, probably a lot of your dreams for what you'd like to do someday. I would love to, because I'm just a fanatic for following presidential campaigns for some reason. I'm really into it. You love the sport. I love the sport of running for president. I would, I would really like to be a reporter sometime and follow the whole thing. All around Iowa, through the whole thing, going to the different rallies and the state fair and the speeches and watching the polls and asking questions and report for somebody. I don't know if I can make that dream happen for me someday. Do you know the difference between a colon and a semicolon? 
If you don't, don't call us. We'll call you. You're not fit to be a reporter. How are you with commas? Periods? Do you even know how to capitalize, son? Oh, you talking about writing? No, yes. I want to be uh, on air. I want a TV, radio, oh. that sort of thing. Oh, That's, well, I've been in radio my whole life. Why am I going to become a writing reporter all of a sudden? The difference between a verbal colon and semicolon <laughs> is very important as well. Is it? I'll tell you one guy who writes about this sort of thing. He's been doing it for a, a long time and does it well. Is David Drucker, senior political correspondent for the Washington Examiner. You know about semicolons, David? Use them all the time. And so, and, and so my question for you is, if I did that, now take apart any uh, level of how jaded you are, having done this multiple times. Try to remember the fresh-faced young David Drucker who did it for the first time. Would I find it pretty interesting or not? I mean, it's possible. <laughs> well, that's the sort of enthusiasm I was looking for. Well, you know, we're we're all cynical and jaded these days, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and angry. Uh, I understand. <laughs> I understand. There's so much repetition to it; the joy kind of goes out of it quickly. Is that accurate, or how would you describe your usual day? Well, no. I, I mean, it, you know, it, being serious for a minute, it's a, it's a fun job. I mean, I'm not curing cancer or anything, but I, I get to cover campaigns, uh, run around the country seeing things, talking to people, and it's the same, but it's different. I mean, what, what can be a little repetitious is when you cover a candidate for a period of time, you know, they, they don't change up their stump speech because most of the people are, that are coming to see them, number one, are, are seeing them for the first time in person. They haven't heard the stump speech before, and because as a politician, you want to figure out what your best message is, and you actually, to be effective, want to repeat it over and over and over again until people like me want to blow their brains out. So yeah. I, I see, um, I would find you're, that you're not, you don't run for president to win over reporters. You run to win over voters. And, and there's a certain way you have to do that. Sure. I get that. I, I, I would find that alone. Interesting on seeing what things they add in or drop over time as they realize that's not working or sure. the winds have changed. That sort of thing. Is, is that, is it as omnipresent around Iowa as it appears when we're, you know, reading about it or watching on TV? Cause you got, you got a dozen candidates in a fairly small state going all over the place. Do you run into people everywhere? Yeah, sure you do. And you can, you know, meet uh, different, you can meet voters uh, multiple times. You know, as reporters, uh, we often can end up interviewing the same people, um, not necessarily by design, but it, it happens. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I know there there's some on both sides of the aisle, there's always a little bit of jealousy or frustration that why you know why does Iowa and why do Iowa and New Hampshire and South Carolina get so much attention? And you know I'm I'm from California where nobody cares about politics except that maybe once in a generation you know you had Prop 13 then you had the recall and, and I don't know when the next time is going to be. Um, and, and and so you kind of need to do this in a state where voters are into it and you don't want it to be too big. I mean the other thing with California is even if people actually cared about politics, which which they don't. Just to get around is is so prohibitively expensive uh, because you have to fly all over the place. Iowa is not the, as small as people think. I mean, some of these drives are four-hour, 300-mile drives. I, I did did it the other day, um, sometimes through awful weather. But you, you can get around, and people take it seriously. They actually see it as a responsibility. So they actually show up with the intent of figuring out what these candidates stand for or who pulls at their heartstrings and, and who it is they, they like. They'll go multiple times. They expect to shake hands with candidates and talk to them one-on-one multiple times uh, before they make a decision. You're in Des Moines right now, I know, and one hour south of their uh, drive down the interstate is where my whole dad's side of the family is from. I've been there 
a gazillion times Decatur County, and there's not many people there. Do they? And as as is the case with a lot of counties in Iowa, do they go to those counties and talk to really small crowds sometimes? Yes, yes. And I've been to some of these events over the years. Um, real out of the way places um, where you know if you can draw forty people, that's a great crowd because they drove from all over the place. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. know. Hey, have you seen really really small crowds this season? Um, I haven't seen super small crowds this season, but I haven't trailed every candidate this season. I mean, I mean, there are some candidates that I'm sure are draw, drawing uh, some pretty small crowds. Um, you know, I've also seen some some average size crowds in the in the couple hundreds. I was with Elizabeth Warren in St. Paul, Minnesota, on Monday evening. She drew twelve thousand. That was the biggest wow. uh, crowd. Well, she really so far. she really seems like she's got her her game just clicking on you know all cylinders or whatever the, the expression is. I mean, she really seems like she's rolling. Does it feel that way in person? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, she hasn't been um, knocked around yet, and we'll have to see how she does when she's finally knocked around. Did you hear about that fake uh, Indian thing? <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is that that's something that she created on her own really before and at the very beginning of her campaign. So she is somebody I'm keeping my eye on. She's running a good campaign. She's got a lot of energy. She acts like a leader. Um, she's improving as a candidate. She is not uh, the Hillary 2.0 candidate that I think a lot of Republicans were expecting. There's a more likable quality to her that is, is shining through. There's a more versatile quality to her that's, that's coming through. But because she is on the rise and she is going to threaten and possibly take the lead, there's going to come a point where the press hits are going to come, and it's going to be a lot more than about the Indian flap and her, her fellow Democrats that uh, don't want her to be the nominee are also going to come after her, and, and that's what we're going to see what she's made of. David Drucker, senior political correspondent for the Washington Examiner, he's uh, reporting on the primary efforts there in Iowa. Uh, David, is uh, old Uncle Joe Biden anywhere to be seen? Yeah, he just finished a couple of days here um, with multiple events each day. and um, his Like how many? Healthy and, like two or three each day, okay. uh, both Tuesday and Wednesday. And his crowds uh, are pretty good. Events. Yeah, his crowds are pretty good. I mean, they're in the 200 range, healthy by, by you know, traditional standards. You know, a lot of people already know who he is. And granted, he, he's not an Elizabeth Warren type, right? So his, he's not generating the same kind of sort of progressive enthusiasm, but he's generating a lot of looks from voters who don't just want to beat Trump, but actually find his message of unity and, in a sense, getting things back to normal very appealing. I interviewed uh, more than a dozen voters uh, over the past few days. Um, I lost count. And his appeal to unity after beating Trump is something that a lot of Democrats want to hear. Not every Democratic voter in Iowa is like the Democrat that you see on Twitter. The same with Republicans, I could say. You know, not every Republican voter is like a Republican you see on Twitter. Sure. And some of them, you know, want somebody who, in a sense, just gets things back to normal. The, Joe Biden is still very progressive. Um, I've covered him for a long time. You've followed him a long time. I mean, the guy is hardly a centrist. It's just that he, you know, I guess he is compared to Bernie. Appears, <laughs> appears more. Well, yeah, but I mean, look, come on. I mean, anybody's moderate compared to Bernie. I mean, Elizabeth Warren is moderate compared to Bernie. Hey, one more quick question. Uh, Since you brought it up, uh, Elizabeth Warren, when she's in the barrel, as they say, what what are her uh, points of vulnerability people are going to go after, whether it's other candidates or the press? Well, um, 
That's a good question because I don't know. They're going to go after her health care position. There are a lot of union members that Democrats might be able to win back and that usually vote Democrats still that did not move over to Trump that don't like the idea of losing generous health care benefits that their unions negotiated for them and concessions they gave in wages to get those health care benefits. Mm. So that is a that is a big one. Good one. Um, and I think a lot of the money she's promising to spend with no consequences for her wealth tax I don't know that it all adds up, and I think people are going to pick that apart. Interesting. David Drucker from Des Moines. He is following the candidates on the trail in beautiful Iowa. David, senior political correspondent for the Washington Examiner. David, always a pleasure. Thanks, man. Good to see you guys. Take care. Thanks. It gets left out of a lot of these conversations all the time. Whether a candidate has faced the full-on scrutiny of the press or other candidates. Right. And if you haven't yet, you, you, you don't and have to. And a head-to-head poll, Beto O'Rourke, is, no, right. we haven't even begun to look at the embarrassing Beto. Um, well, he's he's not even worth discussing, really. But right. for Elizabeth Warren, yeah. It's, it's the for, same. For the sake of mockery, he is. It's sort of where Bernie was running against Hillary because he never really had a serious chance. He didn't get the full-on scrutiny. Hillary never sure. turned her fire on him, and the media didn't and right. everything. Don't want to alienate his supporters. You know, what strikes me, and it's a fairly obvious point, but, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren has the energy, the progressive energy, and Bernie does, and the rest of it. There are very few crowds that chant, moderate, moderate. Right. Or, we are reasonable. We are reasonable. That's just not the sort of thing that animates politics, and that's how you end up with, you know, I don't know, Bernie. They often vote, though. And then Bernie loses 48 states. They actually come out and vote. That's true. They don't show up to rallies chanting moderate, moderate, but they might vote.